Folks, welcome inside the Parisi Palace, high above 3773 East Broadway. This is a live edition of the Jake Feinberg Show, Comedy on Power Talk. Thank you so much for making us part of your day today. I just realized it is Friday the 13th, and what an honor it is uh, to bring in somebody who I can just see in her eyes is a light angel and somebody <laughs> who is also really dedicated to um others and uh giving and and healing and um you know in these times um it's these are these are essential essential workers and essential people because uh, they are sentient beings and they ultimately know that life is not easy and that they can walk in other people's shoes and know the struggles that those people have had and be able to inspire them because they themselves have overcome adversity in their own life. And, um, you know, I, you know, so from the first time that I, that I saw her, I knew that, uh, this is somebody who has the ability to access her multidimensional self. And I think has learned and is learning how to, um, ease herself off of perfectionism and learning that, <laughs> that imperfection is perfection. So, we get to sit in the mess today. Rebecca oh, Sohaila cool. Taibi, welcome yeah, to the Jake Feinberg thanks, Show. Jake. Yeah, thanks, That's so nice. And I'm like um, so impressed with what a good read you have on me. It's almost, if, if it wasn't so right on, I, yeah. Yeah, no, just, I, I mean, I, I like people when they put, like, it's very, I oftentimes say, is, <laughs> I say, was that an accurate intro? And most uh -huh. people say, yeah, it's pretty much spot on. Because, yeah, and, and you know, I I want you to talk a little bit about just in general in your life, like because you give so much love to people and you and you help. That's what your gig is. And, yeah. and I wonder how hard it has been for you over in your life mm -hmm. to receive love. Wow, that's such a good question. I think um... – you know, my training is as a clinical social worker, so that just means I'm a therapist and among a few other things that are all in that healing realm. But I think that you're asking a really good question for anyone that's in that's a healer because we get into this work because we probably grew up doing it in our families of origin. I know I did. I know I was definitely like the mediator in my home mm -hmm. from a very young age. So um, I think I am getting better at receiving love, but it's really been a journey. And in fact, in the last few weeks, I, I've just been doing a lot of spiritual practice because there's not a whole lot else to do yeah. <laughs> right now. Um, <laughs> And I, I've reflected on a couple of, um, you know, past relationships that I think were such good experiences for me because they were so loving and it showed me how uncomfortable I was receiving <laughs> that kind of just unconditional love and kindness and what a gift it was to be in that discomfort. And um, it gives me hope to look back on those kind of relationships and say, I think I'm getting prepared. I think I'm readying myself to receive, um, in a more open way. So, so I don't know how, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I, I, like, I want you to talk to people around the world, um, about 
because I understand that as well. I mean, you, gr- you know, you you grow up not trusting in, uh, at least for me, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, when uh, when fortune smiles and 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 you know, then you. But I, I I want you to talk about you know the the how hard it is and how you do. Um, keep your heart open to receiving authentic love because I think that um, a lot of people uh, you just said you had some wonderful loving relationships but it also was uncomfortable but there are some people (laughs) who just like they wind up you know being hurt uh, getting uh, you know the bonds of trust are broken or they you know they just they're they thought they had authentic love and and then as a result um they close their heart and they believe that their spiritual path can be done with celibacy and, and on a, on a, you know, in a, you know, in a, it's like solitude, you know, and, right. and, and I, and I don't, I don't judge them and I, and I don't, uh, you know, feel sorry for them or anything like that. But I, I, I do think that it, it's hard because you see people on the outside that they have, you know, they might be very physically beautiful, but the inside they're just a shell. And, and, mm. and, and I think that the most important part is, you know, the love coming from, from the heart and the soul. So, you know, like, how do you keep your heart open, even just in general, like, uh, because, you know, you see signs all over the place, be kind, uh, uh-huh. you know, you, and you, and, and I love that stuff. It's, it's a good reminder course, for a lot of people, of you know, and, and, mm. but we are moving into this callous phase of the Kali Yuga and uh and and there's a lot of um and there's a lot of depravity and there's a lot of despair and there's a lot of anger so it's really easy to close your heart but I can see that it's not easy for you but I can see that you you your heart is wide open well thank you you're making me feel so optimistic about myself inspired 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 inspired. thank you of course it's true well i and you know what i'm loving the synergy around the two of us today because i think you're we're really in a good flow you're asking me questions that maybe um a few months ago i would have had a completely different answer to yeah because those you know when i was mentioning those previous relationships that were such good practice for me and kind of showed me like what it's like to be in a connection where someone's just loving and how to receive all of that. Those relationships came after a really difficult divorce. And I was in a brief marriage. It was like a codependent alcoholic relationship. So it was ugly And it was just a total enactment of my lifetime of conditioning. That's why I chose that person as my partner. And the divorce devastated me. And I felt so wronged and so victimized. And um, for a, and in some ways, it was justified to feel like that. You know, I'm not, I think that um, I want to validate my experience around that. And so what I did to start to support myself around healing was like do a, go to go to therapy for myself sure. join support groups yeah. i joined a 12 step group called alanon and they talk a lot about forgiveness and i have had such a chip on my shoulder because because i just felt this righteous indignation like 
but you weren't in that relationship and you don't know what this person did and you don't know what I've been through and just kind of walked around with that justification. And for such a long time, the best I could do was just say, I'm not going to think about this person anymore. I'm not going to give them my energy. And then I learned things like on a spiritual path, like meta practice and then forgiveness practices that are an extension of meta. And meta is all about that loving kindness. How can I come back to a place of compassion and um, how can I wish the difficult person in my life good things? That's very aspirational. So I've spent the last like six years practicing meta and then also incorporating like some 12 step ideology around like, okay, can you own your part in things, Rebecca? Yes, that was a difficult relationship. What did you contribute to it? And over the course of the pandemic, I have just found myself um, in like in real life meta. So actually wishing my ex-husband like true happiness right. and peace and extending that to his whole family and everyone who he touches and it was sincere and i would get down on my knees and pray and just wish for his well-being and this is like something i never thought i would do and when i really started doing this as a consistent practice and from a sincere place I was able to like check in with myself and say, do I forgive him for like the worst of it? And my body told me, yeah, you do. And as soon as I felt that body click, that kind of codependent self-betrayal, the way that you can kind of in a toxic relationship, sell yourself out to make it work. <laughs> with no, I really, I, I mean, I think it's, first of all, um, I think it's really beautiful that you can share that. Uh, I mean, I, we've all been, uh, my marriage lasted 13 years and, you know, mm -hmm. we had, uh, you know, two beautiful children. And, and then at the end it was, I mean, there was definitely some kind of love at the beginning, <clears throat> but, uh, towards the end it was incredibly codependent and I feel, uh, completely liberated. Um, and, uh, you know, you said you, you get to a place of sincerity, mm -hmm. you know, that, that there's a fine line between like, you know, proselytizing people who will say, Oh, I, I pray for them that they will do better, <laughs> right. you know, like, you know, and, and it's more like, Oh, I have some sort of, you know, vanity and understanding mm -hmm. of, of the divine. And, and then there's this simple, like, you know, like just melting into a, you know, a place, a, a space of self love, and then being able to, so can you go a little bit deeper on sincerity? I think a lot of people, you know, the vanity of, of, you know, of man's view of God or source, it, it's, a, you know, it's, it, it's been unbecoming for a long time, but I just think that it's important for you to talk about what are the intangibles of, uh, sincere forgiveness. I think that, um, I, I'm still figuring that out, but sure. the, it was the practices. I realized once I got to that place of sincerity, how grateful I was for like the training, so to speak. So truly the meta practice to be real with you. Like I, I have used meta 
like to give me instantaneous just relief, which is great, but I don't think I ever really understood that it was just a preparation to lead me to um, liberation. And so I think that that's the difference between like going through the motions and practicing, which is important, or even the vanity of it, like you're talking to, which I completely understand because I have because I think a you were, I think you were, yeah, too. I think you were, I think you were there at some point earlier in mm-hmm. your process of liberation, where you were talking about, you know, nobody knows what what I went through, and mm-hmm. and uh, and, but now I can feel, and maybe that's why we connected, is just because you uh, fundamentally um, maybe accessed your multidimensional self for the first time, and were able to transcend the just the the thinking mind you know it's absolutely right and there it's a freedom in the body you know i think that that's the difference of like i'm checking the boxes and i'm doing the right thing versus like this this energy doesn't shackle me anymore like i've i really worked through it i i've resolved it and the gift is i get to see my own human experience more and be that witness, like Ram Dass talks about, like, whoa, I just got to watch my part in the play. That's just far out, you know? Um, so I think that that's an intangible, is to feel the, the body freedom and to really just get to, like, almost relish or revel in in the dance of it all, the drama yeah, of it all and yeah. take the lessons and move on. <laughs> <laughs> you're, just, you're, you're, you're really in a, a beautiful vector right now. I mean, I, I, you know, I oftentimes think about if you grow up in a monotheistic household, um, you know, uh, the idea of intimacy or, you know, sex is sort of repressed or it's done in private or it's not, talked about and it's a sin if you do it before marriage you know it's it that's one extreme and then the other extreme is uh what is is shown on 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 in the media which is a a sensational view of of sexuality it's almost the perversion of of what um a sexual relationship is about and i and uh and i wonder if you work with your clients and could speak to what you think not that you've, because I, I think the best teachers are the ones that are honest and open about their own, you know, past or their own experiences. But being that you have been on both sides of uh, these relationships in terms of codependency and then maybe, uh, you mm-hmm. know, excessive love, I just wonder what you think is uh, your definition of a, of a healthy sexual relationship. I think it's one with lots of communication and agreements and um, people not coming out of um, religious trauma. So they might be leaving their faith, leaving that kind of monotheistic vantage point and learning uh, as adults how to have healthy sex lives because that wasn't like, uh, that wasn't an option (laughs) before. And, and it really does boil down to knowing your own body. Can I be comfortable exploring my own body? Can I be comfortable in my own skin? 
And can I ask for the things that I want? And can I set limits? And will this partner respect me when I set limits? And so I'm, I'm still learning, but I think the communication is what really empowers us. And um, knowing when to walk away when something isn't good. What are, the, what are the qualities of the divine masculine that need to come to the forefront in order for women to trust men again? I mean, there's like a huge fissure in this country um, and lack of trust uh, mm-hmm. that's broken down. Uh, and I just, you know, like you said, I mean, we're all still working on that. Uh, I think for me, in so many relationships, um, things have taken off mainly just on physical attraction. And then after a while you realize you either don't have a lot in common with someone or you actually just don't enjoy spending a lot of time with that person. Mm -hmm. And so I'm realizing now that in fact, the relationships that I treasure the most that I think that lead towards, I, I haven't experienced this in my life, but I mean that would lead towards a healthy sexual relationship is actually just becoming really good friends with that person first. <laughs> yeah. and, and that takes a heart and that, but that's not how it's portrayed in our media. It's not how it's portrayed. Uh, anyway, it's just, that's a revelation for me. And, and that's great, you, Jake. Know, you know, and, and uh, thank you. And, and so, uh, <laughs> and so I wonder, uh, you know, is it a, is it something that, uh, like, like, what are the what are the divine character? What are the, the the characteristics of the divine masculine that you believe need to come to the forefront in order for for women to, like you said, uh, I mean, boundaries could be one of them, but uh, but you know, we all have the divine masculine and the divine feminine within us, and I wonder um, at this time what you think, what your message is to men. I think just you know, people. Some people would say, well, well, it's not my business to tell men, you know, you know, but I think that they do need to hear from. Yeah. You know, I don't mind. Yeah, yeah. I know you don't know. I, I, so, 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 I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, so what what is some, like for cats out there that that want to that are longing for authentic love and, and a relationship? Uh, what are the characteristics that they need to, that are never publicized or talked about as being strong male characteristics that you think need to come to the forefront? Clear communication and telling a woman what you want in the relationship, telling a woman where you think this is headed, checking in. There's nothing more attractive than a man driving a relationship forward and doing that in a, in a collaborative way so that you're already kind of inviting a partnership to start to happen. So uh, truly all of the women I work with in my practice that are single and dating, and this is from my own life experience too, there's just nothing more attractive and relieving than a man who's willing to initiate those conversations. Hmm. The other piece is patience. Like you're talking to like, Develop, if you're really interested in relationship with someone and the potential for long-term, it is the patience and the ability to hang out before you jump into sex, which is really fun and awesome and connecting. But research shows that if you build a friendship first, when you are intimate with each other, the chemicals that are released are oxytocin, which is the same chemical that's released when a mother breastfeeds her newborn baby. 
or when a father holds his baby for the first time. So there, I want to go for that kind of bonding. When we lead with sex, again, no judgment, but what research indicates is that we get more of that dopamine hit. So it's kind of like a nice, fun high, but we tend to crash. Right. So I, I think a man who um, can drive the relationship and also pace it so that we're like looking toward bonding um, is very attractive. And then just as an aside, those things that build a really nice relationship include vulnerability. I love a man who can talk about his feelings and find that balance of how much do we process and then when, when do we put it on the shelf and have fun and when do we come back to it? So that vulnerability and willingness to share and then listening. And I think this is um, applicable to women as well. Can I really listen to my partner? Can I listen without interruption and just be a loving witness? Yeah, I mean, one thing I will say that's incredibly, um, that is that gravitated me to you right away was your name uh <laughs> and so uh can you talk about uh sohela what is that a sans yeah. sanskrit name yeah. or what 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 is the and and have you gone to the the timeless land of of india yes yes i have yes. so um i sohela is a Persian. so i grew up in a mixed culture and mixed faith home um, so Rebecca is my American name. Sohela is my Persian name. Tayebi is my last name. And growing up, I was Sohela. And then as a teen, started to want to assimilate to my very white suburban community and <laughs> switch to Rebecca. But man, do I kick myself now? I, I would love <laughs> to be called Sohela. I'm going to call you Sohela because that is the most Thank beautiful you. name I've ever heard in my life. Thank you so much. I recognize that now. <laughs> um, it's a, but I mean, like, why? Yeah, I mean, that's your spirit name. That, well, that's your lineage yeah. name. I should say that. That's your Persian name. Yeah, it's very yeah. real. Yeah. Um, so I'm very proud of my name. I'm very proud of my heritage and have had a journey with that. And um, to answer your other question, I have been to India and I went to India right as I was um, leaving my faith. So my dad was Muslim. He married a white Mormon girl from Utah. So oh. I had very interesting, very interesting. Well, like, I mean, let's break that. Can you can you give an example? I mean, that is the most. I have never heard of a fusion of that. Uh, what did that? What was that like? Yeah, I think there are like five of us in the world maybe. that have that. Yeah, maybe. That's insane. Exactly. It was very, it was insane, yeah. you know, and somehow it worked in our home because the values are so traditional and conservative, sure, sure. at least the way both of my parents interpreted them. Yes. Um, and so I grew up in a very like old school, old world, strict home, the eldest of two girls. I was the guinea pig. My dad was like overbearingly strict. It's almost comedic now. And that was his mom, generation. I mean, that really was totally, his generation. You know, I mean, that, I mean, totally. it, 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 it is, we've gotten so, uh, one of the, actually it's, I mean, as, 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 as probably suffocating as it was, in some ways, I sort of 
uh, think it might be have, have been sl- as long as there was no trauma. I just feel like he, yeah, like that was th- that's better than what is taking place today, which is just like this absurd uh, reversal of the of the hierarchical structure of the family where mm-hmm. where the kids are put at some sort of like, you know, yes. just I mean, I, I, I didn't raise my kids like this, but it's just weird to see uh, kids getting elevated to a stature that is just not. Uh, it's just not part of the family's structure. Anyway, continue. Exactly. No, the kids, as this sounds like not who I ever thought I would be, but there is a hierarchy in the home and the parents do need to be the leaders. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's just the way it ought to be. Honestly, just because, well, I won't go down that road just because of where everybody's brain development is, (laughs) you know, I mean, the grownups have a developed brain. So, I think for my parents, it was overbearing, and at the same time, I felt safe. I knew where the boundary was. I knew how far I could take things before I get busted or in trouble. So all of that, and and I'm really, my parents did a fantastic job with me and my sister. My, um, but my mom's side of the family proselytized us. They were Mormon, and so my sister and I converted to Mormonism as young teenagers and both of us did like a, about like a 10 year stint with Mormonism. Wow. And then I went to India as I was beginning to leave that religion um, and found yoga and chanting and meditation. And it really opened up a world to me that felt so much more authentic. Sure. And yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you a question about, um, uh, because I can see in your eyes that you have, you are a conduit to the divine. I mean, is, is it as simple as saying that it felt more authentic because you were, I think that's the biggest problem in, 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 in these modern times is just sort of these religions that have, they might have decent precepts or, you know, mm-hmm. f- you know, fundamentally it's like the messages are, 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 are somewhat okay, but it's like, right. it's like the idea of, is it as simple as saying that you were able to at that time recognize that you were a conduit for information coming through you from the divine, as opposed to taking cues from a, you know, pastor, rabbi, imam, like mm-hmm. where they, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, to me, it's, it's just ridiculous where, you know, you go somewhere and you become a sheep instead of yes. a shepherd because you're you're taking mm-hmm. cues from somebody that supposedly again man's view of God that they, they have a this idea that like they are the channel and then they're giving it out to other to the parishioners when in fact we all have God inside of us. Did, exactly. did, did, is that is that when you discovered the God within I, you? You know, I think I always knew yeah. even as a as a young girl but it was I actualized, always knew. Yeah. Yes. And so I think for me um you know, I found religion because as safe and wonderful and loving as my family was, they, my parents were all over the place and I was yearning for like structure sure. and consistency in a lot of ways. So it helped with that as a kid. And then I watched myself kind of grow up more and feel like I'm, I'm growing up and I'm growing in different ways, but this organization remains the same. Um, So I think I took what I needed at the time. And then that 
kind of leaving it was so freeing to me and then getting to play in different, like really entering the yoga world and getting to be introduced to all sorts of spiritual practice was like the biggest adventure of my life and continues to be and that I don't need to attach myself to any one theory or guru or anything like that, that I, that I just get to be free with it does make me feel so free spirited and alive. I like how measure you're very aware of, of not rambling on in your answers. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, uh, um, is th that is a crisis in the, in the yoga world, isn't it? Is that, that, that people, um, and I think it goes for both sides. I, I you see gurus and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they fall from grace based on infidel, uh, whatever, just doing yep. things that, but and then, and then on the flip side, I also say like, okay, I don't, any, anything criminal, those people should be held accountable. But I also mm -hmm. look on the flip side, like for the students that believe that they're going to access higher levels of consciousness based on the teachings of some guru and they're, and they're not going to get them if they don't, uh, you know, uh, submit to the demands of that guru. I, I, some of the accountability comes on the, goes on the student as mm -hmm. well, just mm -hmm. because you have, mm -hmm. because they're not recognizing that they themselves have the, the, the information, if they get out of their own way, that they can also be a conduit for that information. So, I mean, 100%. you know, how, how, when, like mm -hmm. when you, you've been able to ascertain, uh, power might be the wrong word, but respect in your field. And, and obviously you said you work with a lot of women, but um, how have you learned to uh, when you, cause I think the, the, the people that I gravitate to the most in these healing modalities are the ones that just have so much essence and life force mm -hmm. and beauty and they give the power away. They don't, you know, once they attain it, uh, they give it away. They don't abuse it. You know, yep. and I wonder if you, because you are kind of carving your own spiritual, psycho-spiritual path and teaching, you're not, you're free mm -hmm. to do that, that if that's always been the case or did you find yourself uh, succumbing? I remember my first interview with Krishna Das, he talked about, mm. uh, you know, he, he came back, oh, he was like super depressed and he was like freebasing and, and, and mm -hmm. his guru had died. And then he got this, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, cataclysmic, uh, voice in his living room one day that said, if you do not chant with people, uh, you will never clear out the dark corners of your heart. So he started to, to chant and mm -hmm. pretty soon it was evident that many people gravitated to it. They enjoyed his presence. They enjoyed his leadership. They, and like he said, you know, quote unquote, a hungry man needs to eat. But mm. he said he was horrified. He was like, I don't want this. I don't want to be idolized. I am worried that I will abuse my power. And he went back mm. to India for three months. And he was like literally like lecturing uh, Neem Curly Baba in the heavens, like saying, you need to fix this. Like you need to, I, I did not want I don't want to take on this responsibility I am going to abuse it and because he could see it and then after about th three months uh, he s was able to get to a certain point in the mat at the mountaintop to see a larger vision mm -hmm. of how to use the power effectively and that 
He knew he did have some intangible things that were unexplainable. And yeah, he turned a corner. But, you know, so did you, yeah. how have you learned to not abuse your uh, power and gravitas as you continue to to build your, you know, your livelihood? Yeah, that's such an important question. And um, a lot of that comes from doing my own work around healing from my family of origin. So um, I I think we put people on pedestals or that very like kind of magical wide-eyed view of our parents where they're almost, they're like our higher power. Right. And I literally need them to survive. So I think it's almost a natural human tendency to maybe make someone bigger than yourself. And I did that in my marriage. I, this man became my higher power um, because I listened to his voice above my own. And so I think it's really looking at like, wow, where did that come from inside of me? What, what was all of my conditioning that led me to participate in that kind of relationship? That has been tremendously healing. And for me to always kind of be checking myself, like, am I doing that thing again where like it's a better than less than role? Mm-hmm. Um, and then just kind of wa- watching it, inquiring, working with it. Those are real, and it's all family of origin stuff because attachment is a template that we take just owning up to the fact that I make mistakes. I make mistakes on a regular basis, you know? And so if I can go back and even when I make a mistake with a client, maybe I've misspoken or misinterpreted to go back and repair and clarify and keep things moving. All of those things help keep me in check. And when I was young in my career and probably a lot more vain, um, yeah, that's, I... that's the, that's, that's the Sohela that I, I, I really want to see. Cause I, I, you know, but yeah, it, well, yeah. Cause when your ego was fully invested, that's when other things. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. If you would have called me an expert when I was like, you know, a 26 year old <laughs> twerpy therapist, if you would have called me an expert then I, my ego would have like taken flight, you yeah. know? Right. No, um, I, I can feel that. Yeah. But I mean, that's yeah. not, yeah. But I mean, like, um, when you, like, I can, like, my name is very Jewish, but my, my mom was Catholic. My dad was Jewish. Wow. Interesting. And, uh, and I, I actually, um, I wanted to ask you, cause I feel like when I first saw you, I, I said, you know, uh, she, I didn't know you had uh, uh, Persian or Iranian descent, but the the mystical re- uh, religion of Islam is is Sufism, and I I, I consider okay. my I consider myself a Sufi, and I uh, and I wonder if you've had any opportunity to to engage those communities because I mean you want to talk about a dance with all of life like you talked about. Um, it is all mystical and it's all, be- mm-hmm. and, the, and and it's so repressed in Iran. It's so unfortunate. Yes, you, you never, I know. you know, you hear much more about the, the rigid, uh, Islamic sort of fundamentalist that you hear about that. Then you hear about attacks from extremists, but you never hear yeah. about Sufism. And I look at you and I say, I think she's a Sufi. I could be, and I think that's what's next. I've been working with, for my own self, I've been working with um, 
some shamanic healers beautiful, and beautiful. yeah and it's really been incredible and um i do think that that's what's next for me to explore and then hopefully to incorporate that in the healing work that i get to do how, how would you i mean how would how do you think you would incorporate like do you have any ideas on or is it too like with the shamanistic work mm -hmm. that word gets thrown around a lot too mm -hmm. but um you know that is predicated on it, it's just it's the ability to i guess here's the thing do you feel i already know the answer but i know <laughs> that that like for me i know that the work that i'm doing with you and with all all the cats is like yeah. it's allowing me to uh cleanse myself of my habitual nature so that i don't come back in the next lifetime having to work mm -hmm. on the same things i that's my hope yeah and i wonder if you believe this addition of sufism and this sort of mystical mysticism and 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 uh, you know the the prophetic nature that you have and the the intangibles that you have if if that will uh continue I mean, how far along are you in, in, in being able to, uh, you know, cleanse your habitual nature so you don't come back and be mm -hmm. working on the same things that we've been talking about for the last 43 minutes? Exactly. I mean, man, I'm, I'm right there with you. That's what I'm hoping for, too, in the next life. And mm -hmm. if I could get a little bit of that in this life, too, I'd be really stoked you know because <laughs> um, i i am sick of some of the same lessons i know repeating, me too you know yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> like i feel like i've you know i feel like i figured some of that stuff out but it keeps coming up so i guess not but i think um without being too long-winded i you know i i think some of my spiritual role on earth is to be a challenger and a systems buster. And when I have gotten entrenched in institutions and systems, I, I fight, I fight the power. Yeah, <laughs> that's, 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 that's Jake Feinberg, right? I was gonna say you have uh -huh. to, that's the other thing about when you talk about making a mistake mm -hmm. with people and you, I, I forget, you said you rectify or you, I repair. Forget, but you repair, but you, I, that's different from, like this incessant need to say sorry you don't need to apologize exactly. okay that's a very fine line i my older daughter sometimes she'll say she'll apologize say you did nothing wrong do not right. apologize so yeah I, I thought about breaking through mm -hmm. walls barriers mm -hmm. thrashing around i think that that me and you are are in that boat of 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 uh not it's beyond nonconformity because we're ultimately trying to set up new paradigms exactly completely unapologetic about challenging a system that's not just so i have no problems it's exhausting <sighs> but i you know but i'm hoping to step out more of, from that role where especially as a therapist or a healer there's that systemic approach of pathologizing others oh yes which, you know, is easy to do because we all have that negativity bias, but it's toxic. So I'm trying to step away from that. And I think bringing in more of that mysticism and incorporating different spiritual practice 
those are, I, I'm almost middle-aged. <laughs> and so I think from mid-age on, it's going to look like more um, just walking the spiritual path and uplifting and breaking some of those conditioned kind of um, ways of being that I've um, embraced by like, you know, just do, by higher education and well, that was whole, a, that's how I, that, that, I I I you know Sahela is very much in demand, so we we're on a very short <laughs> set one here. But I I wanted to f finish by because I, I I you're obviously like, I mean, you came from uh, exceptionally bright parents and your lineage. Mm -hmm. You're obviously very smart. You know, you 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 figured out how to thrive within the academy. But I just wonder <laughs> when you when you th so many people that I love and, and there was a certain time in this culture when there were so many street scholars and there were so many people that were self-educated and mm. um and I mm. I'm not here I, I I'm not here to bash the academy but I I really wonder outside of the the book learning and the 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 what what the formula mm -hmm. trips that, that, you know, you went, I believe you went to Columbia, you know, like, mm -hmm. like, you know, like it's a prestigious school outside of the, outside of the exams and the formulas. Like, can you, what can you honestly say you took away from the Academy that you can apply mm -hmm. practically like in your session in 15 minutes? Um, you're making me think, I mean, the, The first word that came to mind is skepticism, that I don't really bring that in my sessions. Right. I try to bring an, uh, an open heart, but I think um, maybe a pause. I did. <laughs> going, going to Columbia made me pause because mm. I had this image of what it was going to be, and then it was something else entirely. So I really had to like hang out and watch what was happening and figure out my place in it. Huh. Um, that aside, I think there's nothing better than real life experience. So I got to work um, on the Lower East Side. I got to work in Harlem. And that experience made everything come alive for me and really like validated why I was called to do this work and the work I can I continue to do, I am called to do. So I think um, Columbia is great. I, I, I love the school and it really helps me get my foot in the door. Sure. Um, but I, if I could do it all differently, I would. <laughs> around that. Well, no, but you're also saying that the opportunities provided by the institution in order for you to go and access real people in, 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 in real different parts of the city, uh, and, uh, you know, it opened your world and it allowed you to walk in other people's shoes. It's obvious to exactly. me, it's obvious to me that you have found your purpose in life and um, you touched my heart today. So I, 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 I cannot wait to, to continue with you in, in this, in this way. I know you have to go. So, yeah, I'm sorry to have to leave, but I really, you're so good at what you do, Jake. And, um, I, thank you. No, I'm for only, the I'm only, I'm only, I mean, I think somebody said this, one of these, yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm so humbled to connect with you. I just, I, I feel like somebody, yeah, uh, keep her in your prayers. Another healer, uh, re, who I was supposed to interview at nine when I called you or, you know, oh, yeah. you know she, she called, she just texted me and said, 
and she is a like a brilliant like solemn healer in her own way and she just said something devastating has happened my world is upside down um i can't really be there today because she was actually Mm going to give maybe you can do that for me at some point she was going to give me analysis today you know she was going to ask me the question oh wow but but the point yeah, is i'd love to do that uh-huh <laughs> yeah absolutely no we will and and the thing is that okay, cool but i just want to say keep her in your thoughts because she said the last time we've done about four interviews and she said i'm only as good as the questions that i'm asked so yeah. you know to me my questions allow your aura your aura is so strong so i mean <laughs> because your lineage is so deep so just Stay on the righteous path and uh, and keep doing your thing and uh, and we'll we'll do it again. Thanks, Jake. I'm honored and have a great day. Bye, Sohela. Bye. Bye. One down and one more to go, and we'll be back with Todd growing right after this. Mm-hmm. 